You're listening to the On The Go with VAO News podcast for the week ending March 18th, 2016. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is our weekly recap of the top headlines from this week's daily acquisition news. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Dara Curran, VAO content developer and news writer. Bill Olver will rejoin us next week. The General Services Administration is working with the Presidential Innovation Fellows to reinvent the apps.gov website as a cloud services marketplace. The site was decommissioned at the end of 2012, but relaunched this week. And though it is only in the alpha stage of development right now, offers a directory of more than 100 cloud products from providers including Amazon, Cisco, and Microsoft. Each product page offers information on what reviews the product has passed, such as privacy impact assessment and federally compatible terms of service, and what authority to operate it's earned, and procurement options. The Department of Defense has issued a new operating and support cost management guidebook, which helps users focus their requirements, design, and support planning to identify ways to mitigate and reduce ONS costs throughout a program's life cycle. It also provides a set of tools for communicating ONS cost assumptions, comparisons, and risks to support acquisition decisions and program reviews. Assistant Secretary of Defense for Logistics and Material Readiness David Berto noted that many drivers of ONS costs begin with decisions made early in the acquisition process, and DOD therefore wants its program managers and their staff to have access to the best available tools and practices for ONS management. The Department of Energy has issued guidance to procurement directors on implementing numerous provisions in the 2016 Consolidation Appropriations Act, including those regarding multi-year award funding, reporting and conference spending, Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act exemptions for federally funded research and development centers, unfunded requests for proposals, and confidentiality agreements prohibiting whistleblower activities. The statutory provisions apply to all Department and National Nuclear Security Administration solicitations and contract actions that are funded with fiscal year 2016 appropriations and became effective on December 18, 2015, the date of the law's enactment. The Navy has awarded firm fixed price, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contracts for surface and amphibious class ship maintenance to General Dynamics NASCO, BAE Systems San Diego Ship Repair, and Continental Maritime. The work would be for ships visiting the Port of San Diego, and if all options are exercised, the contracts would have a cumulative top value of $1.3 billion. Work is expected to be completed by April 2021. On the non-award side of things, the Government Accountability Office has denied a protest by General Dynamics Land Systems that challenged the Marine Corps' award of contracts to BAE Systems and SAIC to build prototype amphibious combat vehicles. GEO concluded the Corps' evaluation of General Dynamics' proposal was reasonable and conformed to stated evaluation criteria, and that selection of SAIC's higher-priced but higher-rated proposal was within the service's discretion under the Best Value Procurement Clearly written procurement documents can help lower costs and improve acquisition outcomes, according to a recent study by content analysis consultant VisibleThread. Using readability metrics developed by the Navy to refine its own training documents, the firm analyzed five of the highest value requests for proposals, 
issued by the federal government in 2015, together worth over $7 billion. They found that procurement documents are generally overly complex and difficult to read, with some of the worst language found in the sections with the greatest potential to influence government's objectives, such as evaluation factors and statements of work. The study authors note that clear writing could help the government more accurately pair qualified suppliers with program needs, improve program outcomes, and reduce costs by simplifying the bidding process for both vendors and procurement personnel. I'd also suggest clear solicitation documents are likely to help protect against protests as well. The Department of Housing and Urban Development on Tuesday published a final rule amending the HUD Acquisition Regulation, or HUDAR, to implement miscellaneous updates. HUD is transitioning to the Department of the Treasury's Bureau of Fiscal Services Invoice Platform Processing System, and this rule revises clauses related to payments and invoicing. Effective April 14, 2016, a proposed rule published on May 28, 2015 is adopted as final, but clarifies that where funding was made available for a contract and the limit of the funding has been reached, or the necessary funding modification is not in place, the contractor must stop work until notified through a contract funding modification that funds are available to continue. The final rule also modifies the proposed provision on post-award conferences to limit the clause to cases where a conference is required and provides an alternate clause for attending conferences via telephone or video conference. The National Aeronautics and Space Administration published a proposed rule that would amend the NASA Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement to remove references to grant and cooperative agreement policy and guidance because they do not pertain to the procurement of goods and services. Comments on the proposed rule should be submitted by May 13, 2016 to be considered in the formulation of the final rule. So we have a special guest with us this week for the discussion portion of the podcast. This is uh, Scott Cox. He's behind all of the legislative products that we put out on the VAO as well as from the Hill, which you guys know. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about new legislation that came out this week from the House Armed Services Committee. Scott, go ahead and tell us what we need to know about Mac Thornbury's Acquisition Agility Act. Right. Uh, that was uh, introduced, uh, as you said, uh, earlier this week, and um, it, it really aims to modernize the, the Department of Defense's uh, acquisition system in the, in the sense of uh, better responding to rapid technological changes and emerging threats. Uh, one of the, the primary uh, objectives for that is uh, a provision uh, in the bill would uh, require modular open system architectures for all major defense acquisition programs. Mm, this makes them all interchangeable together, the technology. Um, so if they move to this sort of like, sort of like a universally, you know, applicable thing while they'll all work together, that's, that's going to help a lot. It also take them away from being locked into proprietary systems with a single provider. So I, that, that, that's been a long time coming. That's a great idea. Yeah. I can't, a key provision to sort of speed the the, the process along with acquiring um, the separation of platforms uh, such as ships and aircraft and ground vehicles from their components, which mm. uh, you know, for example, sensors or telecommunications equipment. And um, the goal of that is to field new technology faster. Right. Um, that, in a nutshell, uh, is, is one of the key provisions of, of accomplishing um, Chairman Thornberry's goal of a faster-paced acquisition process. Another provision, uh, and this is to, to improve transparency, 
would uh, call for the creation of acquisition scorecards for each milestone um, that, that show the independent cost estimates and, and schedule uh, estimates. And that, you know, I mean, again, a super good idea. And I think that I think lawmakers need to get their minds wrapped around the thought that they're being shielded right now by, you know, anybody who's running a big program because they'll get the sticker shock. But what ends up happening is that there's there's creep. They're unrealistic about the schedule that they can deliver, the capabilities and when those can come out and how much they're going to cost. And lawmakers are contributing to this problem by not being willing to sort of hear the truth and, and get the truth out of people about what they really think is an accurate cost estimate. So these scorecards, um, you know, again, it's going to be I think that's a great idea, but uh, they need to be measuring against realistic benchmarks. Uh, anything else that you want to touch on? Well, I, I maybe to provide a little uh, background and context here, the the uh, the Thornberry's new set of proposals is a is a uh, sort of a second round, a second shot on contracting reform uh, mm -hmm. provisions that were actually enacted under the fiscal year 2016 uh, defense authorization law. That that first round uh, was was based on Thornberry's standalone bill called the Agile Acquisition to Retain Technological Edge Act. Mm. And ten times fast. Not not a pithy title there. <laughs> and one of the key one of the key uh, provisions in, in that in that law was to give more uh, authority over acquisition programs to the military services. Chairman Thornberry has given pretty much every indication that he plans to use the same playbook with this new bill by eventually incorporate after he gets feedback from from committee members and, and stakeholders and all of that, he uh, plans to uh, insert those, those new proposals into the fiscal year 2017 uh, defense authorization bill that mm -hmm. uh, the committee will, it's scheduled to mark up on April 27th. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the outlook for, for how all of, all of that will play out. Is there, is there some sort of strategic advantage to the, I mean, is that one of those things where because the NDAA is a must-pass legislation, they will stuff it in there um, versus yeah. trying to pass this as a standalone? That's exactly right. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the annual defense authorization bill is considered must-pass by both parties. Uh, it's been enacted, an annual defense authorization bill has been enacted every year for the past 54, 55 years. Mm -hmm. Right. That is one thing they do not mess around with. <laughs> uh, no armed services chairman in, in either the House or the Senate wants to be the one that failed to get uh, a defense authorization bill across the finish line. So I don't expect this year to, to be an exception. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us from your legislative lair, Scott, to give us an overview of this. And I believe you'll be going into this in more detail in this week's From the Hill. Is that correct? So that people can sort of delve into this for further reading. Yes, there will be an article uh, that will go out covering it and also providing links to a more detailed summary of the bill. There was a memo that, that Chairman Thorn Thornberry uh, had uh, sent to to his committee members uh, going over the the bill. I, I have a, an article on it as well as a link to to that memo. Excellent. Well, we'll also link to it in the podcast summary so our listeners can get directly in there from the page where they downloaded this podcast. Thank you again, Scott. We'll talk to you again. I'm sure at some point soon. Okay. Great. Thanks, Dara. That's all for this week. 
If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can find links to this week's headlines for further reading on VAO on the same page where you downloaded this podcast. We appreciate you tuning in today. Join us again for the next Daily News podcast on March 25th. Goodbye.